Welcome to today's edition of the Bible Class. Our teacher, Dr. Kenneth C. Hill, is teaching from the New Testament book of John. You may send your questions by email through our website at whcbradio.org. That's whcbradio.org. Or you may mail your questions to the Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bluntville, Tennessee, 37617. And now, here is Dr. Hill with today's lesson. Welcome to the Bible class. We are in the Gospel according to John, chapter 19, quickly heading toward the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. In chapter 19, we saw the portion of Scripture where Christ was being interrogated by Pilate after the fact that uh, the chief priests had said that he had claimed to be God. He had claimed to be the very Son of God. And so uh, naturally, Pilate was curious because uh, all Romans apparently were superstitious. Uh, They had a um, concern for the supernatural in some fashion, whether it had any reality or not is not the point, but uh, they were superstitious. And so he called Christ back in. When he heard the saying, he was more afraid, verse 8, verse 9, and went in again into the judgment hall and saith unto Jesus, Whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. Of course, that calls us to Isaiah chapter 53. And I want us to take time out from John's giving us the crucifixion account. And we're just about ready to have him delivered to be crucified in verse 16. I want us to turn to Isaiah chapter 53 for just a few minutes. Isaiah chapter 53. And we'll begin reading at the first verse. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him, He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people 
was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked, and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. What a wonderful prophetic description of what we see here taking place as John recorded it. And we see there in verse 7 of Isaiah 53, he was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. And we see that before Pilate as well. My friend, as we read through Scripture, and it doesn't have to be just in the Gospel of John or even in one of the other Gospels or in the Acts of the Apostles, but when we read throughout Scripture, even in the Old Testament, we find that this was and is the plan of God for the salvation of mankind, and that Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God, fulfilled completely his mission on this earth. And we see that Pilate was complicit in this. We see this in verse 16. Then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. And he bearing his cross went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha also called Calvary, where they crucified him and two others with him, on either side one, and Jesus in the midst. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews, for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city, and it was written in Hebrew and Greek, and Latin. Then said the chief priests of the Jews to Pilate, Write not the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. Let's talk about this for just a moment. What I've written, I've written. What I have put down for people to see and to read is what I'm going to stand by. Pilate had seen Christ in action, and he writes him as Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. The fact that he wrote it in Hebrew, which was the national language for the Jews, he wrote it in Latin, which was the uh, national language for the Romans, and he wrote it 
uh, in Greek, which was the universal trade language, much as uh, English is in many parts of the world these days, shows that he was interested in getting the word completely out, not only to the Jews, and not only to the Romans, but to anyone else that might be uh, able to pass by and to see the spectacle of this horrific thing called crucifixion. So he wrote this title, and it was a title. It was a, a placard, and it proclaimed Jesus to be the king of the Jews. When the chief priests objective, Pilate said, no, this is my crucifixion. And since I'm crucifying him, I'll put on there what I want to. Now, it was normal for uh, for prisoners of note who were being crucified to have placed on a placard above their heads what their crime was. So folks passing by could know what they were being crucified for. A thief and a robber, a rapist, a murderer, or whatever the the nasty, vile thing he had done, or uh, you know what whatever crime they perpetrated was going to be displayed for the world to see. This was part of the humiliation of crucifixion. Uh, I am a drunk driver, you know, would be on the vest of these folks who are out there picking up cans along the side of the road or trash along the side of the road these days. Uh, well, here it was, whatever the um, the sin was or the crime was that had been committed by that person being crucified. In this case, it was a title, not a title of the crime or error of his ways, but this was a title of who he was, and he was being killed. He was being executed because he was the king of the Jews, because he was the Messiah. And that was the exact reason he was being crucified. You see, this was part of God's plan for him to be the sacrifice to take away the sins of the world. This was so important, and and it was being done, and it was being done in spite of and without the knowledge of the chief priests, because they were on the devil's side. They weren't on the Lord's side. Verse 23, Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to every soldier apart, and also his coat. Now the coat, also called a cloak in the other Gospels, was without seam, woven from the top throughout. Then said, therefore, among themselves, let us not rend it, don't tear it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be, that the scripture might be fulfilled, which saith, They parted my raiment among them, among them, and for my vesture did they cast lots. These things, therefore, the soldiers did. Now this is, this is very interesting to watch uh, transpire. This is a fulfillment of prophecy of various writers throughout the Old Testament, they had written about this thing of crucifixion of the Messiah. Some had written knowing what it was all about. Some had written in some sort of veiled way. And yet it was here, the the prophecy was being fulfilled. And it was being fulfilled from all different angles. And yet it was being fulfilled because this was God himself orchestrating every last note uh, of this uh, of this musical piece. And so the soldiers cast lots, and they took care of the vesture in that fashion. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, 
Mary the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother, and the disciple standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour the disciple took her into his home, his own home. Uh, that disciple, of course, being John, the one that wrote this gospel. Um, also, it's interesting to note, and this has been said by many commentators, that in his hour of pain, tragedy, passion, trauma, uh, his provision of himself, his sacrifice for all of mankind, he did not forget the Jewish necessity of the oldest son taking care of his mother. He did not leave the legacy of the care of his mother to his brothers, his stepbrothers. He did not leave the legacy of his care of his mother to some other men, whether it be in family or out of family. But he left the care of his mother to John the Apostle. And so John the Apostle then received Mary, the mother of Jesus, into his home. And from then on, he was another son of Mary. And Mary was a second mother to John. Now we continue. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. This was another prophecy. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar, and put it upon hyssop, and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Now we don't have all the details in this account of the crucifixion of Christ that we have in Luke, for example. But we have enough to know that the scripture was fulfilled and that Christ achieved uh, the work that was to be achieved and did the work that God had called him to do, that his father had called him to do. And so this place of the skull, Golgotha or Calvary, is where he was crucified. And here stood by his mother and other women, and they were there. Um, but the disciples fled except for John. Now, a number of these women apparently had accompanied Christ as he was teaching, and they stayed with him to the bitter end. In fact, they'll get to see the good thing in three days and three nights when Christ comes forth from the grave. But notice, too, one of the things we didn't mention um, and I'm looking back here to see uh, where it's mentioned. Um, this was at the sixth hour uh, when this all started, and they sent him over. Uh, verse 14, it was preparation of the Passover about the sixth hour, and they uh, saith unto the Jews, Behold your king, and they cried away with him, away with him. It was about six o'clock in the morning when that took place, and it was about nine o'clock in the morning when the crucifixion was already well underway. Um, but six o'clock in the morning, think about that. They had done all of this so-called court work in the night, which was illegal. Uh, but they did it anyway. 
And uh, when you uh, take a look at verses 28, 29, and 30, uh, this is probably from 9 o'clock, um, or excuse me, from noon until 3 o'clock, thereabouts. Uh, it's a fulfillment of Psalm 69:21, I thirst. Um, and yet he didn't complain about that. He just made the statement. And so if this was 12 till 3 in three verses, it's it's gone. As I said... Uh, the Gospel of John is not chronological. It doesn't give you a real timeline. It gives you a theological line and keeps you informed. So he bowed his head and gave up the ghost when he had received the vinegar. He said, it is finished, and he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Verse 31, the Jews therefore, because it was a preparation that the um, body should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath day, for the Sabbath day was a high day, they besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and they might be taken away. Now, notice uh, how uh, inhumane these uh, Jewish leaders are. Not only would they not go visit Pilate where he lived or where he was holding forth, uh, not only did they want the king of the Jews crucified, uh, not only did they uh, want the crucifixion to take place immediately, but they also wanted the bones to be broken, the legs to be broken, so that they could die quickly, so they wouldn't be inconvenienced in their religious services. How terrible these people were. And so they went to Pilate and asked that their legs be broken. Verse 32, Then came the soldiers and break the legs of the first and of the other, which was crucified with him. We don't have much about the malefactors that were with him. Uh, we do in the other uh, Gospels. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they break not his legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came out, there came out, or came there out, blood and water. Notice the cruelty of the Romans. Of course, this was according to Scripture, but the cruelty of the Romans. The man was dead. You can't inflict any more pain, but the man was dead. And to prove his dead, the fact he was dead, they just pierced him. They, they shoved that spear into his side, and out came blood and water. And he that saw it bear record, and his record is true, and he knoweth that he saith true. That you might believe. Now that is John saying, I saw this. For these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled. A bone of him shall not be broken. And again, another scripture, they shall look on him whom they pierced. So we get the picture. We understand there from Psalms uh, and from the Psalm 34 20. Uh, about uh, bone not being broken. We also understand from Zechariah 12, verse 10, and Revelation 1, 7, they shall look on him whom they pierced. And not only did John write the Gospel of John, he also wrote the book of the Revelation, and we see him quoting from Zechariah 12, 10, at least the spirit of the prophecy in Revelation, uh, and uh, uh, chapter 1, verse 7. This is of most interest to me to see how that this is written out so that we uh, who are 
um, two centuries beyond the crucifixion of Christ have an understanding that not only was Christ crucified, he was crucified according to God's plan. This was not an action that took God by surprise. It was not an action that was not planned by God, but this was planned by God down to the minutest detail so that salvation could be given to us through the meritorious service and acts of Jesus Christ. And so it is through Christ that we can have salvation. It is through Christ that we live and move and have our being. It is through Jesus Christ that we are redeemed. Thank you for joining us today for this edition of the Bible Class with Dr. Kenneth C. Hill. You may reach us by email by going to our website, whcbradio.org, and sending us an email on the Contact Us link. That's whcbradio.org. If you prefer to use the postal service, our address is The Bible Class, WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bluntville, Tennessee, 37617. That's The Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bluntville, Tennessee, 37617. You may also call us at 423-878-6279. Until our next Bible Class program, we are trusting that the Lord will richly bless you as you serve Him.